Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we just want to say thank you for your blessings in our lives and the things that you have done. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we enjoy, that we're still able to assemble here together in your name. Lord, we just ask now that you would take each part of this service, and Lord, that you would allow the words of these hymns to be a blessing to you as we sing them. And Lord, Lord, also to encourage and to challenge us. We pray for the special music, the preaching, Lord, the invitation. That when it comes time for each of us to look at our own lives and to look to the Savior, that we would simply be obedient to your word. Lord, we ask that this time this morning would prepare us to go back into the world in which we live and bring glory to your name. For that is the true essence of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing, if you would. And let's turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. A verse that... Uh, you may be familiar with, that you may know, and we're going to read that together. It says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. One more time. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, we read that verse, and uh, it's often quoted, and, and we want to make sure that as we study what the Bible says, that we are studying what the Bible says and not what we uh, want to put in there. Uh, if you turn on TBN, you're going to get a very different <clears throat> uh, understanding of what vision is. And, and uh, I, I've heard preachers, and, and it's, really, it's really pretty sad as they'll go around and say, I just had a vision that someone needs healing. I don't need to have a vision to know that someone needs healing. Uh, there are people in this auditorium this morning that need healing. Amen. Uh, that's not astounding. You don't need some special information to know that someone is hurting or someone is healing in a large auditorium. And, and uh, yet, uh, I, I've had people say, well, God has told me, and then they'll tell me something that is directly against the Word of God. And... Uh, I remember one time uh, some, uh, in the old uh, uh, building when we were still meeting at the Seventh-day Adventist Church, a lady came in and, and she said, Pastor, I, I need to talk with you. I said, well, we're having a service here in just a few minutes, but after the service. And, uh, and so we sat down and she uh, brought her daughter over and said, now tell Pastor what you dreamed about. She said, I, I dreamed about a flood. She said, there, she, or no, she said, I dreamed about a river. And, and uh, the mother said, see there, water, a flood, destruction. I said, uh, wait a minute. She said, she dreamed about a river. 
and he said, my husband wants to move to Pennsylvania and he's going to destroy our family. And God was using her dream to tell me that that doesn't going to happen. I said, whoa, 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 hold it a minute here. I said, the problem is your husband wants to move to Pennsylvania and you don't want to. And she missed it and she said, yeah, that's right. I said, that's the problem. You see, the Bible is very clear on the duty and responsibilities of husbands in the marriage. Amen? I, I mean, there's just not much room there. And, and the right of direction belongs to the husband. And when the husband takes that authority and responsibility that God has given him, it is the duty of the wife to follow and help. Uh, when, when we do a wedding here, uh, we modify the traditional vows a little bit. Uh, the man promises that he will not only love his wife until death do us part and all of those things, he says that he will lead and he will nurture. Because those are God-given responsibilities. And, and the wife-to-be promises that she will follow and obey. He said, well, I would never promise that. Well, you'll never get married in this church. Because those are things that the Bible says that we need to do. Amen? And this woman was trying to use her daughter's dream, claiming that God had given her a vision to go against and to usurp the authority of her husband and to do things that the Bible simply said wasn't there. That, that's not what this verse is talking about. And uh, we, I, I just have so many examples flooding my mind right now. I want to stop here. And we can, we can give all kinds of things going on. But here's, here is the definition of the word vision. It says, something which is apparently seen otherwise than by ordinary sight. Especially an appearance of prophetic or mystical character or having the nature of revelation supernaturally presented to the mind either in sleep or in an abnormal state. Now, just if you're wondering where I got that definition, that is definition number one, point A, in the Oxford English Dictionary. That is not from a Bible uh, dictionary or encyclopedia. That is the meaning of the English word vision. So the next time you go get your eyes checked, don't go to a vision center. Uh, go to an eye center. Amen? Uh, because a vision is something that is seen otherwise than through normal sight. And that is the meaning of the word. That is the word that is used here. Where there is no vision, people perish. 
do you know that if you do not allow the revelation of God to direct your life, you will perish forever in the fires of an eternal hell. Is that not true? You cannot be saved. You cannot have any hope of eternity unless you will allow direct revelation from God to alter the course of your life. Now, I'll tell you, we live in a world where allowing this book to influence you is passé is thought foolishness. In fact, one of the new mantras that has been put out today, a mantra is just something you repeat hoping it's true, is the root of all problems is religion. Well, there, there is some truth in that statement. But I would say the root of all problems is false religion. You just have to put that adjective in there because true religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world, James chapter 1. I'll tell you what, if we had a good dose of that religion, the world would be a different place, amen? They wouldn't be shooting down planes and lobbing mortars and firing rockets and trying to assassinate people and blowing themselves up if you just simply had true and undefiled religion. You see, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision is being able to see things without Beyond, actually would be a better word, beyond ordinary sight. It is being able to understand and perceive that which is not normally understood and perceived. And I will tell you, first of all, in first part, it is not normal, it is not natural. In fact, if you read in the book of Corinthians, you will find out that the natural man receiveth not the things of God. Only the Holy Spirit of God can reveal these to you. But He will only reveal to you what is already written down. Don't go looking for feelings or premonitions or, or special things. You know, it's easy to feel good about sin, is it not? Hello? What does it say? It says, Moses chose to endure affliction with the people of God than to have the pleasures of sin for a season. It's the ability to know how to act based on specific knowledge that is given to you by God. Where no vision is, the people perish. 
Now, let's look at a rather spectacular example of this. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we'll just read the story here, 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 8 and read through verse 23. We want to get the whole story in here. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel. Nothing new, amen? Uh, this was going on uh, 800 years before Jesus was born and still going on today. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Now, can we stop here for just a second? I mean, don't you just love the way the Bible is? Here the king of Syria is making his plans, and he says, we're going to go here, and we're going to set a trap, and when the bands of, uh, of uh, the soldier, Israel soldiers come by, we're going to attack them, and we're going to uh, do harm to them, and they'll never know that we're there until it's too late. Well... They get there, everything is ready, and they get ready to spring the trap, and nobody shows up. He said, well, we missed it this time. Let's start again. And they do this several times, and, and even the king of Syria begins to understand that something is going on. I mean, he has top secret plans, and then top, top secret plans, and then... Uh, secret plans that aren't opened until they're on the battlefield. And so they can only know at the very last moment. And yet the king of Israel knows every time. And so he says, there's a spy in our midst. He said, no, this guy named Elisha in Israel, he tells the king everything that you think. He tells him what you're dreaming at night. Now, if there were, if this was really happening to you, do you think that there might be something in your heart that would say, I can't fight against God? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that there would be something there? But I, I want to tell you that sin is stupid, my friend. I mean, it is, just, it is just as dumb as dumb can be. And no matter how much people try to paint sin as smart and intelligent, I mean, people do the dumbest things when they sin. He says, go get him. So we're going to read on here. He says, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to kill the guy. And so 
Verse 13, and he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And behold, it was told to him, and it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, in host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master... How shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open the eyes, his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you see. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were come into Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord... Open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Now, this is our story. The king needed some vision. Amen? The king of Syria was trying to plot against Israel and and beset them and destroy them. And God gave Elisha the vision, specific revelation from God, how to act and what to do. And Elisha, the prophet of God, sent that vision to the king of Israel, which he obeyed and saved himself many lost men and great grief and destruction. Well, now the king of Syria says, I'm going to stop this vision thing. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to kill the prophet. I'm going to kill the seer. Well, he sends his army there. And and I love this part. Elisha's servant wakes up. And he's going, I told you we shouldn't have messed with this king's stuff. I told you we were going to get in trouble. Now the whole Syrian army is going to destroy us. And Elisha said, there's more on our side than are on your side their side. And this servant is looking at him and going, one, two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's hundreds of them out there. And Elisha says, this man, my servant, needs some vision, Lord. He needs to be able to see some things that he can't see by ordinary sight. And all of a sudden, his eyes are open and he sees The Syrian army here, a little ring around the city. 
And then he sees the host of the Lord surrounding the Syrians. You see, the Syrians have chariots of wood and metal. I I like the Lord's chariots. They're made out of fire. Now, that's pretty cool. Amen. God's always got the best stuff. Amen. Uh, You just can't get any better. And this servant at this time is going, Boy, I'm glad I saw that. I'm not worried anymore. And Elisha asked God to smite the Syrians with blindness. So here's this host. They're all gathered around and they're knocking at the city gate and saying, Where's Elisha? We've come to take him back to the king of Syria. And all of a sudden, they can't find the gate to knock on. And Elisha comes out and says, Hey, you guys are in the wrong city. Now remember, they're blind. They can't see anything. He says, let me take you where you're supposed to go. And they follow him. And he takes them to Samaria, the capital city, inside the fortress. Takes them inside. The gates clank behind them. And Isaiah, Elisha says, open, the, open their eyes, Lord. And they take a look and they're going, we are all dead. And then the king of Israel comes up and says, Can I kill them all? Can I kill them all? And Elisha says, No. Would you kill prisoners? Come on, let's get a little sense here. He says, Feed them and send them back. Now, how many of you can see clearly in this story how a little bit of vision, some things that you cannot see by ordinary sight, changed the course of history here. And and made, took people who were in mortal danger of their life and saved them and kept them out of trouble. And not only did it solve the present problem, it solved the future problems. There was no more roving bands of Syria. The king of Syria finally said, hey... I can't fight against God. I can't win this battle. I'm going to do it another way. And the simple truth is, we all need specific direction from God in our lives not to perish. Amen? That starts when you get saved. But it doesn't end with salvation. God is interested in much more in your life. And this morning I'd like to take just a few moments. How many of you are pleased with the way the auditorium turned out so far? I mean, I think we could say the Lord has blessed beyond our ability to get the work done. And we've got something here we can say thank you, Lord, from. Now, how many of you were members of the church back when we started construction? Just raise your hand here. And you remember coming to church and you could see through the plaster lath and down to the brick in places and Uh, There was dust all over the pews every service. And I mean, it was just... How many of you remember that? 
I mean, it, it was... How many of you could see this when you walked into the church and saw that? Uh, now, you that weren't here, you'll just have to take for granted it was a mess. And oftentimes people would say, Pastor, what, what, are, what are your plans? Ask, actually, they were saying, Pastor, what can you see that I can't see? Because I don't see, what I see right now is a big mess. And, and the worst thing was that we, we still had to have church because we don't have any other place to do it. We couldn't just lock up the building and and close off the the uh, top half of the floor. We we had to clean up every week and try to have church. How many of you remember having church with half a ceiling up? And, uh, I mean, there were some interesting things. And uh, I don't know how many of everybody else got itchy with the insulation dust falling out of the ceiling and stuff. I hope we got most of that up. But, I mean, there were some days when things were looking pretty bad around here and yet the Lord blessed and and we got the job done and by the way there's still some more work to do we want to put the world map up on the back wall and and, uh, a few other little things and there's still some uh, tweaking to do here and there and bits of molding and other things that need to be put up but I'll, I'll tell you I'm praising the Lord that things have turned out the way they have. But we had to start somewhere. And five and a half years is an awful long time on one project. But we had to keep moving or we would have never gotten it done. But I think back, we just had the inner city missions class this spring and Of course, one of the stories that we always tell and one of the reasons why the students do want to come here is because they've heard the story of Open Door Bible Baptist Church and and, and simply what God has done here and putting us in this building and, and all of those things. God had to give specific direction. And people often ask, how how did you know to move to Astoria and, and uh, what, what prompted you to start a church and how did you know it was going to happen and all of these things? Well, there was a lot of things I didn't know. But I knew we needed to follow the Lord in His direction. And the Lord brought us here and moved us. And, and it was not hearing voices in the middle of the night. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't Elisha coming out and saying, Here, I want you to take a look into my little uh, mirror here and you can see what the future holds. Uh, That's not the way it works. But, praise the Lord, God does use vision. And without it, you will perish. Without it, your life will not be what God wants it to be. You see, we've got to have an understanding of God's Word in order to have vision. To make a long story short, my pastor 
came to me when I was 16 years old. I told him, I think God wants me to be a preacher, and, and I'm not sure what to do. I'm not even sure he wants me to be a preacher. And he says, well, here's what I'm going to have you do. He said, I want you to get involved in serving the Lord, and the best place to do that is in the bus ministry. And, and so I started knocking on doors in Carroll County, Maryland, where I grew up, and inviting people to ride our bus to church. And ended up in Astoria, pastor in the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Now, there's quite a few years between there and now, but that is the story in a sentence. Uh, I want to tell you something. No nation is exempt from this verse. When it's talking about the people in this verse, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, The primary understanding is the nation of Israel. It says, where there is no vision, where there is no direction from God that cannot be seen with ordinary eyes, the people will perish. And let me tell you something, in 600, 606 B.C., I I believe was the year Nebuchadnezzar's armies came in and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They broke the blocks that built the temple and tore down the beams and, and scraped the gold off of the wood and took everything that was of any value. They took the great brazen pillars that stood before the temple and broke them up into pieces because they were far too heavy to transport as they were. And they took everything away. And there was nothing left except burned ashes and broken stones. Because the people of Israel rejected the vision of the Lord. Can I say something? A nation, no nation is exempt from this passage. And no church, no individual church is exempt from this passage. There has got to be vision. Or the people are going to, be, are going to perish. Guess what? There's no family that's exempt from this passage. If there is not vision... If the father of that family is not seeing the things that God wants him to see, that cannot be seen with ordinary sight, that he is not given direction from God to move his family in the ways and the things that God would ordain, they're going to perish. And the same holds true of an individual. Where there is no vision... The people perish. One by one, family by family, nation by nation, and mankind as a whole. You know, the, the wonderful thing about God's Word is that it's always true. Amen? Now we come to the second half of this verse. It says, where there is no vision... The people perish, but he that keepeth the law 
happy is he. Now, if you were here on Sunday nights when we went through Proverbs, and uh, we, we covered this verse, not near in this depth, but the idea here is that in Hebrew poetry, you didn't rhyme or contrast words. You rhymed or contrasted ideals. And so these two things are connected. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay, without vision, without an understanding other than ordinary sight, without a, a, a perception that is beyond what is the realm of human perception, you are going to perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, here's the two things that is being brought forth in this verse. Number one, we have the big overall picture. Without God's direction, you're going to perish. Guess what? God gives you direction on how to be saved. He gives you direction on how to live your life. But you only get saved once. You only get baptized once. Say, well, wait a minute, preacher. You made me get baptized again. No, the first one didn't count because it didn't follow all the scriptural commands. Uh, you only get baptized once. You only get saved once. Uh, you, But there's a... a a daily walk with the Lord that has to be maintained in order for you to be able to enjoy life, to be happy. I, I wish I had a dollar for every person and say, Pastor, all I want out of life is to be happy. I just want to be happy. Well, stop drinking, number one. I don't know why people drink alcohol to be happy. It is a classified medical depressant. But they drink to be happy. You know, that's kind of like, we're going to spend more money and get out of debt. I mean, there's just a lot. Like I said, sin is dumb. It just doesn't make sense, but people do it all the time. I'm going to get out of this traffic jam. I'm going to speed. It uh, doesn't work that way. Get you into an accident, but I'll tell you, if you want to be happy, you got to keep his laws. The Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions. It's not just a few little hopes that God said, well, maybe uh, if, if you just pay a little bit of attention to these things, they might help you a little bit. No, the Ten Commandments were to convict you of sin so that you'll come to God, so that you'll get some vision. But then... You're supposed to live. And how do I live daily? You know, everything, all things that are given, 
All things that pertain unto life and godliness are given unto us through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You know what your problem is? You know what my problem is? We just don't know enough about Jesus. If we did, we'd have everything we need. It's all there. You see, Jesus said this, If ye love me, finish it if you remember the rest of it. Keep my commandments. He said, if you love me, do what I say. He said, why call ye me Lord and do not the things that I say? Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? If you love me, keep my commandments. What are his commandments? That ye love God, number one, and that ye love one another, number two, and that ye love your enemies and bless them that curse you. See, I can't do that. Welcome to the human race. You can't do that. I can't do that. But God can do that through you. You've got to get you out of the way and let God do it. How about church? Is that commanded in the Scripture? Yeah. Say, but there's not a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt go to church. Said, yeah, there, there is one that says, Forsake not the assembling yourselves together, and much more as ye see the day approaching. But I want you to understand that your entire New Testament from the book of Acts all the way to Revelation chapter 4 is all by through about a local church. And without your involvement in a local church, you are not keeping His commandments. It's just that simple. I, I want you to understand something. If you're not saved, you're not going to heaven. You've got to get saved. You say, well, how do I do that? Very simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Well, that's because you're still... Believing in something else. you got to get rid of the something else. Whatever it is, let go. But isn't my church as good as your church? Uh, no. Because a true church believes and teaches the Word of God. If that's not going on, it's not a true church. And by the way, your options are very short in Astoria. Uh, there's just not a lot of churches around that offer the same thing. You've got to get saved. If you're going to keep His commandments, why wouldn't you want to be identified with Jesus in baptism? That's what He said to do. Why wouldn't you be in church where you're supposed to be? Amen? You know, sometimes 
it seems like God says, just sit still. How many of you want to sit still? In fact, just saying sit still, I watch several people go like this. Uh, I mean, it's just something in their mind that from the time you're a little child. Sit still. Okay, I'm doing it. Uh, best I can. Uh-uh. I mean, there's just something in us. And when it's time to move, what do we do? Do you think that's why the Apostle Paul said that we don't even know how to pray as we ought to pray, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us? Let me tell you something. There's not much that we do that we do right. That's why we got to keep His law. You know what? It's hard to love other people. Even people that are in church together. Because people are very offensive. We do things that other people don't like. Let me tell you something. If we'll look at the cross instead of our own offense, God will give us the grace to get over it. Amen? Sometimes you just want to say, grow up a little bit. But that doesn't work. Because when you grow up, your problems just get bigger. Uh, What we need is to grow up into Him. That's what Ephesians tells us to do. Amen? See, where there is no vision, the people perish. If you do not have direct revelation directly from God, you're going to hell. If you will accept His salvation, He'll take you to heaven. But guess what? Jesus would like you to enjoy the trip. But He that keepeth the law See, you can be saved and going to heaven and still miserable. You can do it. In fact, I would tell you it's a whole lot easier to be miserable than it is to be happy. Because if I'm going to be happy, you know what I got to do? I got to forgive that person who's upset me. Because that's his commandments. I've got, to un- I've got to love the unlovely. Uh, that's his commandment. You know what? I was a sophomore in Bible college when I got baptized. You know why? Because I wanted to obey his commandments. I'll tell you what. It's the easiest thing in the world for me to go to church. Because I've been doing it since I was two years old. It's it's hard not to attend church. Because it's just what my life is all about. 
You say, but that's not what my life is all about. Well, it's time to get changed because that's what his commandment says. You know what? Sometimes we need to sit still and we want to move. Other times we want to move. God says to move and we want to sit still. I mean, we never get it right. But if we'll keep those commandments daily, we'll have that joy, happy, that this verse talks about. You see, it's not the big things that rob your joy. It's the little things that rob your joy. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. My question for you is today, do you have God's vision in your life? You know, being a preacher, the most difficult part of pastoring is watching people make decisions. Watching people make life choices that at best are going to hinder their ability to serve the Lord. And at worst, are going to lead them away from the church and away from God and in some instances into an eternal hell. You know, I can't make people make right decisions. And even if I could, even if I could, it wouldn't make any difference at all in your life because unless you choose to make the decisions, they're not worth, they're not worth anything. You cannot see beyond the second in which you live. And yet our God sees the end from the beginning. If I want to understand, if I want to know how to live, if I don't want to perish, I'm going to need a little something that is beyond my human perception. I'm going to need some vision. But there are so many things that are just simply written out in God's Word. And if we're going to do them, then we can have happiness as well as salvation. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, this is a verse we know well. And Lord, I'm glad that that vision that is necessary to escape punishment isn't vision that I have or some ability that I can earn. But Lord, that is direct revelation from you. Lord, I cannot believe that there are people in this auditorium that do not know you as their Savior today. 
Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be have freedom to convict in their hearts and lives. To help them understand that they need to be saved. Lord, we ask that they would be able to see their own sinfulness and their own uh, inability to save themselves. Lord, we pray at that same time that you would let those that have already dealt with the issue of salvation see other areas of their life where your vision needs to determine behavior. Lord, we ask for those that are just struggling with life that you would help us to get away from our struggles and get back to keeping your commandments. Lord, we ask that during this time of invitation that we would not say no to the Holy Spirit of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together for the friends. Come and lead us in the hymn of invitation.